All right, the light on my computer says we're recording. So uh, so this should be, by the time it airs, which will be either Thursday or Friday, uh, episode 29 of what we're calling Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. Um, it's technically like the 30 or 31st one we've done, but I'm kind of airing a few of them out of order. So I think this is officially episode 29 in the books. And I am uh, really beyond thrilled to have uh, two guests for only the second time, uh, Dave Walsh and Million Dollar Matt Hawk from one of my favorite new bands, Space Cadet. And everybody knows you from the explosion and we'll get into that. But, but Space Cadet is a really cool project and I'm super excited to do this. So gentlemen, thank you for, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having Thank us. you for having us, man. When I started doing this um, sort of interview show, transitioning from a writer to doing whatever this is, um, <laughs> one, it started really during the beginning of quarantine um, because we couldn't go to shows anymore and the web, website had crashed. So I needed something to sort of do. And I wanted to talk to people who at first who had plans uh, during the early part of 2020 that kind of went sideways. Obviously, you couldn't be on the road and whatever. And then sort of it has morphed into as the year has gone on, um, talking to people who actually did cool and fun and creative stuff during quarantine to keep busy and whatever. And you guys yeah. sort of check both boxes because um, the very first show that got canceled <laughs> uh, was the show that I was supposed to see both of you at opening for uh, Dave Hawes at the Sinclair in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And I drove by the venue because I was working in Harvard Square that day. I drove by the venue and they had the sign up. It said like, it said 312 Dave Hawes, the explosion. I was like, oh shit, it might actually happen. And then it didn't. <laughs> yeah, pride, pride for the best, but a bummer. Yeah. It, it was Jason, it was so close to happening. I mean, we were literally halfway to Cambridge from New York City, which we had played the night before. And uh, like we were halfway, like somewhere in Connecticut and we got the final call. I think actually, Matt, tell me if I'm right about this. Did Dave call the show? Dave was, Dave Haas was like the, the guy who said, we can't do this show. Yeah. And he, then. Yeah. yeah. I think after probably some deliberation with the club about what the right thing to do was. I mean, yeah. We were in Connecticut. Dave and I had driven up separately from the other guys and we had left early because we wanted to go hang out in Harvard Square yeah, and do old cool fun stuff, get Anna's Taqueria and, you know, the, which is the best restaurant in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I guess that's what we get for being punctual because <laughs> I was in my home, then we left my home <laughs> and then I was super far from my home. Fortunately for Dave, he was halfway home. Yeah, right. I was literally, I think, exactly halfway point home, and then the show got called off, and I was like, well, shit, that sucks. Because that would have been the first time the explosion had played in Boston in maybe, what do you think, Matt, like 15 years or more? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was trying to remember, and I couldn't. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, can't. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember at all. Anything. Yeah. What what did you guys have on the radar? If we can rewind the tape to like 13 months ago, what else did you have on the radar for 2020? Had all things gone according to plan? Did you have other um, explosion stuff lined up after the Dave Oz shows, or what did, did you? What did, did you end we, up missing? We ended up missing. Um, 
we are going to do some 20th anniversary shows of Flash, Flash, Flash. Um, a handful on the East Coast, a handful on the West Coast, and we we're trying to play Chicago as well. Um, so that got fucked up. Um, but we had already started. We had started writing Space Cadet stuff in January of 2020. So that was. If that's like you were saying earlier, like we fit kind of both criteria of, of what this ever this thing is. Um, it, it applies to that too, because we, we were writing this stuff, but then we got, we just kept writing this stuff. We didn't have to do anything. <laughs> There's nothing to do. And yeah. there, there was nothing else we wanted to do necessarily, as, you know, aside from those shows, but. Yeah, the, the shows were supposed to happen in the summer, I think, like in July, August. Um, it, like the, the explosion shows got like, you know, I think delayed, like they may happen this summer, although I highly doubt it. Um, so. Were those yeah, ever even I, announced at first? Because I don't remember hearing that. No. Okay. No, they weren't. They, they hadn't been announced yet. So I guess here, you, you heard it here first. <laughs> right. Yeah. That maybe someday there will be. 21st yeah. anniversary shows. yeah but that's the thing like what's 21st anniversary doesn't really have the romance you know it's right you got to be so. in fives i think right. oh that's not right. true because the avail reunion shows that they did whatever a year and a half ago now i think it was for like the 18th anniversary of over the james or something like that they well it oh was, really it was kind of arbitrary honestly yeah like, well and i love avail we love those guys um but I don't know that that is a valid number for celebration. <laughs> it, my sense is that it seemed like a like a reason to get the band back together. Essentially, yeah. it was yeah. like it was going to be the 18th anniversary of one, or the 14th of another one, or the 21st of another one. So just pick yeah. an album that everybody wants. Yeah, to I appreciate the 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 kind of breaking convention on that though. Yeah. I also appreciate like reasons to do things. So more power yeah. to them. There is I'm something just, about like, the five-year increment thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm old-fashioned that way, I guess. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you started writing Space Cadet like a year ago. How did that, how did that project come together? If people haven't heard the two singles yet, uh, and we'll get into some of the deeper album cuts because it's a really cool and different album. But uh, if people are expecting the explosion part two or whatever, like that's not what Space Cadet <laughs> is. So how did that? How did the the sort of re-collaboration gum. Yeah, so Dave and I were actually writing some Explosion songs. Um, I love watching YouTube guitar videos. It's my favorite thing to do. It's, I do it every morning. It's, how yeah. I, it's like my ritual every morning. Yeah. Um, and I was watching some videos about pedals and there was this like pedal of whatever. It doesn't matter what it was. It was a Beatronics pedal, just for those who care. Um, but the person reviewing the pedal was like, this pedal is not for everyone. And it might not even be for anyone, but it's, <laughs> but it is for like anyone who wants to just kind of experiment. So I was like, you know, I'm going to take like that to heart a little bit. And I'm just going to go, I'm just going to play stuff with like just different effects in garage band that I wouldn't normally use. Um, I started playing a riff and forever for a while it was like basically mostly written like the song was the important parts all the in integral parts were there like that day so i sent it to dave because he's the best like 
send stuff to and talk about. And he's like, I had I, the working title of the song was Space Cadet because it sounded just, I don't know, it sounded whatever that meant <laughs> to me at the moment. Yeah, That's right. what it was called. He's like, dude, we should do a project called Space Cadet. And Dave happened to have a song called Dave. Bad luck. That's right. That was a, that was a segue attempt. <laughs> yeah. So bad luck uh, is a song I had written kind of like before, like, I, I think I wrote it like maybe a year and a half ago and it was kind of just like, or maybe it was like two years ago. I was down in Asbury park um, for a little while. And I was like writing some music down there and I got together with some guys down there and demoed the song that I've written. I was like listening to a lot of the Rolling Stones and uh, the Stone Roses at the time. And it kind of had that vibe. And so I demoed it and I had it and I was like, Matt had written a few songs by this point in January. Uh, and I was like, Oh, maybe that song would work in this project, you know? And uh, so I showed Matt, he was like, it definitely could. And then, uh, so it was like, all right, now we have like, like, I think it was like two or three songs at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a bunch of songs pretty quick. Yeah. Um, like we got really fired up about it, especially cause like, you know, it was quarantine. Like the, my work uh, that I do like, or I did was I, I'm like an AV technician. So I do audio and video for big events uh here in massachusetts where i live and uh that industry kind of went away with covid um no one's having big events or parties so um i i had nothing to do really and so we just kind of started working sending things back and forth making plans you know not making plans to play a show or anything but you know (laughs) we started just making plans about um recording and just being a band and like cool things we could do while we were in uh, quarantine, you know. Yeah, and and we pre- we started talking to Pete Steinkoff, who produced the record pretty early in the process, probably like three songs in. Like we we knew he wanted to work with Pete, so we started sending stuff to him. So he's like he recorded the record, but he was along for the ride, like not the whole time, but much of it. And he sort of got like initially what you guys were trying to do. Yeah, it's a little outside of the Pete Steinkoff. I love Pete. I think he's a great producer and he's a wonderful human. It's a little outside his sort of normal sounding wheelhouse, too. Yeah, it is. But but he said to us, he's like, I love this. I love this is my favorite kind of stuff to record. No knock on the other stuff. Of course, he loves to do everything. Um, So he was he was super excited. I think he was super excited to just like use all the pedals in his studio when he <laughs> probably you know, only uses the overdrafts. Yeah. Um, right. So that was good. So is that sort of a, like once that, um, the snowball, you know, starts at the top of the mountain and starts rolling, <laughs> like once you, once you get a song or two under your belt, did the rest of them sort of come quickly because it kind of, it kind of breaks the restrictions on you. Like, if if I could do this sound, well, fuck it. Let me do this sound. Absolutely, I think so. Yeah, yeah I Matt, think so. Matt especially started writing up a storm, you know, like and uh, and I would write some stuff, and, and you know, like Matt being down in Brooklyn, me being in Massachusetts, like we don't get together to write, but you know, with the technology, obviously these days, it, it's just super easy. So it, it did. It came 
really quickly and naturally. I mean, Matt and I have known each other for like 25 years. So it's, we're like brothers. It, you know, it's so it, it, it was a super easy thing to start get going once like there was some excitement about the songs and excitement about Pete. And, um, you know, it's funny, like we, we were originally only going to do like record with Pete for a single. Um, like we we're going to do like maybe three songs or four songs and release like a, like a, you know, like a single and B side or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then, but then the time like Pete got kind of nervous. This was like in April or something like that when the pandemic was kind of really sketchy. Nobody knew what was going on. And he didn't feel comfortable going in. Like, isn't that right, Matt? We wanted to go in in like April or May. Yeah, we had, well, yeah. Cause early on, I think maybe in February we had talked about recording forever for a while and bad luck as a seven inch and maybe a B side if we had it. Right. Because very naively we thought, well, maybe in April. <laughs> right. Oh, I know. Which is such a ridiculous in retrospect, like I, what an idiot I am to even think that way at all, but whatever. Just, we, we, no one knew what was going on. We think we can all relate to that. Right. Um, so yeah, we were going to do that. And Pete was just like, I, and we were all just like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so we, we had a call with Pete and we basically just said to Pete, okay, here's the deal. Whenever you are comfortable and we're comfortable, whenever you're basically, whenever you're comfortable opening the studio, we'll record, we'll record a record instead of just doing a seven inch. Yeah. yeah. Um, which worked out for the best because then we had like a few more months to write a full album, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think I'm, I'm really in a way like that's one of the good things to come out of this is that it, it stopped us from doing that because I, I think like, I don't want to offend anyone, but <laughs> EPs are my least favorite thing in the world because it's like, it's the most half measure. It's not a record. It's not a single. And we are kind of getting to that point. And like, it just doesn't have the substance. It doesn't have the weight of a record. Um, so I'm glad that we didn't record a short thing first, basically. Yeah, because it sort of forces you to keep the project going. Whereas if you do a two or three song single and whatever, maybe that's just kind of where it lands. You know? Right, yeah. The momentum could yeah. very well stop. Right. Right. Which is the worst thing. When did you end up actually uh, going down to Asbury and recording? Well, it's an interesting story. So I'll, I'll tell I'll tell the first half, and Dave will tell the second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What we determined, we we Pete we got, we talked to Pete a few times, and he's like, okay, I, I'm comfortable doing it at the end of July. So a long time after, I think after we had all acclimated and to what was going on and started to understand it a little more, right? Um, we kind of we determined that at that point, it would be it would be it'd be relatively safe to do it. And the, the, we would do it in a super safe way. So we said, okay, let's do it in July. So we went down in July. Um, we had Matt Olson playing bass and Mike Sneeringer on drums. So we all recorded in, in separate rooms. They knocked it, their stuff out in two days because they're both incredible players. I mean, and Matt's not even a bass player by trade. No, he's <laughs> That's not. A drummer. Right. He's he's not, and he, he's very good at playing bass. <laughs> for those that don't know, Matt, uh, I first learned of him playing drums. I think for Frankie Arrow, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And then he was playing drums, I, even for Fallon, maybe. And yeah. then he started playing bass. He just like learned bass to join Dave Haas on the road. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like the guys that's how the story goes in, yeah, his, yeah. in his blood. You know, um, he's an incredible musician all around. And Mike's an incredible drummer. So they knocked sure. it out. Um, but Dave w- was unable to make it down. And I'll let yeah, you so, take this part of the story. So basically, what happened was a week before I was scheduled to go to Asbury Park, I had a uh, a crazy panic attack, which is like something I'm not familiar with. I never had one before. And it was like super severe, like crazy panic attack. And and like I had to go to the hospital. I went to the emergency room. I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, it just like, I don't know if anyone out there has ever had a panic attack. It, they just come out of nowhere. It's kind of unexplained. You know, I'm sure there's tons of reasons why you'd have a panic attack, especially in a pandemic. And, you know, I kind of yeah. lost my job. And, you know, like there's a lot going on. Um and yes, I've had so, a couple really good ones. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. So you understand what I'm yeah, talking about. Sure. So I, so I had a panic attack and I was like, oh, fuck, like, what is this? You know, and so I, I didn't go see my doctor or anything. I was like, OK, hopefully that was just it. And then the mo- the day before I was supposed to go to Asbury, I was going to drive down from Central Mass to record. Uh, I had another one. And I went to the hospital again and I had a call, man. I was like, listen, man, I, I can't come. I'm, I had another panic attack and it was, it was like a bad one and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, all right, dude, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go down. I'm going to record my parts. And then he and I had both had the same idea. It was like, I have a home studio. Matt has a home studio, but Matt went down with Mike and Matt and recorded their parts and i was like all right if pete is amenable to this if you guys record your parts take your roughs from the day email them to me i can i can record here it wasn't like i was incapacitated like yeah, i was yeah. just like a you know what i mean like right. I, I being oh, home but you were right cool. you were rightfully reluctant to travel i mean it, sure yeah you had you had just had like a pretty traumatic event sure right Right. And if, you know, driving down there in the middle of the pandemic, I didn't, if, if I were to have a panic attack by myself on the road, it would have been bad. You know, I could have crashed my car. Who knows? So right. anyway, the idea was, all right, I'll record my parts in my home studio. So Matt would do their parts, send it to me. I would record my parts, send it to them via email or, you know, uh, uploaded to a, to a cloud server. And then, Pete, God bless him. He he just went with it. He's like, I love the idea. He took he took my parts, put them in the mix, and then we just worked like that. It, and it, yeah. it kind of worked out great because, you know, I was able to work on the songs that Matt and the other guys worked on the day before. So we could kind of work in tandem in a way. Yeah, yeah, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like we were able to get more done almost doing it that way. Yeah, I think that actually you know, with, you know, hindsight being 2020, I don't think that we would have gotten the record done in the time we had, had we all been in the same space. And it's obviously a bummer not to be in the same space. And I don't want to, you know, play that down. Um, But, you know, we were kind of on a shoestring budget. We had a week 
And it would have been a real bummer to not have accomplished what we wanted to in that week. And what would have happened, I think, is we would have just gone to our respective homes and finished the tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was, it, it gave it, it, it kind of gave it like an, uh, it gave it an urgency that, that hadn't existed that we didn't know existed. Um, right. And I, I think that that was like beneficial, you know, things happen for a reason. And again, like a, Dave, I love you. I'm bummed you weren't there. But yeah, I think the record benefited from it in a way. In a way, in a way, it did. Like, yeah, I would have loved to have been there. I love being in the, I love being in a recording studio. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. I was super bummed that I couldn't be there, but I just couldn't, you know, and that's just the, the way it shakes out. And, um, but like we turned uh, lemons into lemonade, you know? That's right. When life hands you lemons, <laughs> make a record. Yeah. Exactly. And, and all the, all the great, all the best guitar parts on the record are Dave's. So uh, it didn't really matter. Get out of here. <laughs> Had either of you written uh, an album sort of remotely, like sharing out al- um, ideas back and forth like that. I, I mean, I'm sure you probably haven't recorded an album that way before, but had you written albums separately no. that way? Or is this the first time even doing that part? First time. First time. I hadn't written a song in 15 years or something. So where did yeah. where did this sort of new um, songwriting thing come from? Uh, well, I'll tell you where it came from for me. Yeah. We played, we played, the explosion played two shows with Bad Religion in New York. One was in Manhattan and the other was in Brooklyn. It was the best tour of all time. (laughs) Uh, It was a total of four miles and two days. Right. Um, But the shows were so good. uh, And we played Webster, uh, not Webster Hall. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Webster Hall on like a Friday. In Brooklyn Steel. And then we played Brooklyn Steel on, saturday which is an awesome venue it's so it's so great and the stage is huge and it's super fun but brian baker was showing everyone his stuff he's like check out my rig i got all this stuff so we're looking at all this stuff and dave and chris and dave were like yeah just look at all this stuff and i was just standing there as like a dumb singer like <laughs> like i want stuff yeah, yeah right <laughs> so it kind of like the idea of like having cool gear kind of made me go buy a guitar <laughs> as, as fucking shallow as that sounds but whatever i don't care that's that's the truth that's why i own half the guitars i have just because yeah. somebody else has a cool guitar and it's like damn it you know what i want that yeah. yeah but there was just like such an earnest it was just such an earnest moment for everyone and i yeah and i, I felt a little bit outside of it and i, I couldn't handle it frankly <laughs> but i mean look what came out of it matt wrote like so many amazing songs you know like you know matt's a super creative person he always has been so it's like you know he wrote amazing songs in the in the explosion it, and he may not have owned a guitar since like when the explosion used to write a bunch of songs like he used to have some really cool guitars like <laughs> matt and i like i bought a lot of guitars off of matt and we <laughs> and we we call <laughs> We always call it like Polish haggling because Matt would like have these cool guitars and he'd have to pay rent or whatever. He's like, oh, I got to sell this guitar. And like he had this cool Telecaster one time. And oh. I remember <laughs> he was like, it seems like a source. Like, <laughs> well, well, he was like, I got to sell this guitar. I was like, oh, dude, I want that guitar. He's like, he's like, 
uh, all right, how, how's 700 bucks? I was like, no, I'm going to give you 800, you know? So he called it Polish haggling. <laughs> it was so a 50. Had, Sorry, and I can say that because I'm, I can say that because I'm Polish. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he uh he i guess you hadn't had a guitar mat since then right yeah it's been a long time but yeah. i'll tell you man that was a that telecaster was a 52 one of the one of the telecasters that was called the 52 reissue yeah yeah, yeah. um that i had gotten from fender and it was like i had fallen in love with tellies at so at one point and like, i just always wanted that particular guitar like because obviously getting a 52 Telecaster yeah, right. is not in most people's right. like, realm you, of reality. You could buy a Cadillac. <laughs> you, could buy, yeah. you could buy a Cadillac or a lot of things or like yeah. more practical things. Um, but I got that guitar and it was so great. And But you know what? Whatever. It's, you know, say la vie, things come and go, especially with and, guitars. And, and to be honest, I ended up selling the guitar down the line when I needed money for rent. So. <laughs> I know. And then, Sometimes when I look on Craigslist, sometimes I'll see a because Dave was in New York at the time, and uh, like I, I'll see a '52 reissue on 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 Craigslist, and I wonder is is that ours? <laughs> is that the one that was ours? It might have been. <laughs> we've all, we've all had to sell gear when Bunny's a little tight, you know. And I've sold tons of gear that I wish I still had, but like you said, Matt, if you love it, let it go. You know, that, that's right. I don't think I did say that, but I'll take credit for it. <laughs> So what did you write on now? It seems like I, the two singles are sort of the, a little more like brighter and super like infectiously catchy, especially the grooves on them and whatever. But there's, there's some like almost baritone sounding guitar sort of later on in the album. And there's some like uh, this, it's like a, I don't know. My knowledge of like post rock is very, very limited, but like the Bauhaus era, there's some sort yeah. of like Bauhaus Joy Division, like ang yeah. angular baritone guitar going on. In yeah. There. Did you write just on Telecaster? I sort of geek out over stuff like this, but did you uh, write on on regular guitar or was that <laughs> is that baritone guitar? No, there's no baritone in there, but I think uh, I, I play really heavy strings. Okay. That do, that do have like almost like a piano quality to it. Like I play like 12 gauge you know strings yeah so it, it's like it is a little bit of a thicker sound i also play a darker amp like i have this really really amazing box amp that's like one of my favorite things um it uh it's like a box tb 35 it, it it this guy tony bruno i love gear too just like yeah. matt does and you and you do but this guy tony bruno he does like these insane amps and he was like commissioned by Vox to to build this amp, and it's got a really amazing like dark, almost Fender mixed with Vox sound, and it's super British sounding. It, it it's super American sounding at the same time, but it's it's a little bit on the dark mid rangey side. Yeah. And I think together, and I started play, I used to play only Gibsons, and now I play only Fenders. I play in Fender Strat most of the time, but uh, the Strat with that amp with the really heavy strings. Uh, ha almost does have a baritone sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I'm sorry, because it, it, it's funny that you said, "Is there a baritone?" There's not. And in fact, the guitars on the record are a Telecaster and a Stratocaster. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of everything's drenched in chorus and reverb. Yeah. 
there's a relatively heavy amount of fuzz. <laughs> yeah. So I think like all of that stuff is probably blending together to give you that sense. What else were you sort of listening to and inspired by as you were writing anything in particular, or uh, I know you mentioned like Rolling Stones and Stone Roses and things like that, but what else were you sort of pulling from? I mean, I, for me, I love all that kind of stuff. I love teenage fan club and I, I love, uh, Matt and I are obsessed with British music, like, <laughs> like every, everything from like the sixties on through yeah. now, you know what I mean? Like we, we traveled in England a lot and like traveled with some British bands that like, I think when we were in it, like, especially for me, I don't know about you, Matt, but when I was in England, I like got super obsessed with being, being there and being immersed in the, in the music scene there and like the clubs and, the, and just like the attitude of, of British people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, they, uh, they, they appreciate music in a different and frankly better way than I think the general American public does. If yeah. It, it's a smaller country. It's obviously a much smaller country. It's just, it just, it almost reminds me of Philadelphia. Like Philadelphia loves music in a way that is different than anywhere yeah, else in yeah. America. Yeah. Like Philly's got just like this vibe, you know what I mean? Like the explosion always did super well in Philadelphia. We did like the explosion did well there. The explosion did well in England, you know, like it, it, I'm just, you know, like I think we're both just pretty enamored with that. We're enamored with the street style, clothing, yeah. all that stuff, you know, like yeah. skinhead mod fashion, like right. all that kind of you know dopey yeah. shit that we just have loved since we were like basically kids you know like matt and i met each other when we were in our early 20s and we loved american punk and stuff like that but we love british yeah, culture yeah. too you know yeah, what I, mean? I think a lot of our our primary influences haven't really changed i mean you know the jam is a, is a huge influence uh, you know ride and storm roses all that stuff um but also, you know, Oasis, like I love Oasis. And I love Oasis. Without any shame at all. Um, because I, I, <laughs> No shame needed there. No, no yeah. shame needed because they're one of the greatest bands of all time. And Noel yeah. Gallagher is an incredible guitarist. He's an incredible songwriter. Like yeah. The fact that he wrote all of those songs, is it boggles <laughs> yeah. my mind. Right. But there's other stuff. There's stuff that like that kind of sits in the middle for me, like bands like Into Another, one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, obviously not a new band, but the, the, the way that they kind of straddled like the, 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 the kind of like hardcore world and the metal world and the kind of like post-hardcore world was super interesting. And the dynamic of that group was, was is just awesome. The songs are awesome because of it. Cox Bar, I think, is one of the most dynamic bands of all time. That's oh, totally. Influence. Sure. Like, I, I was late to the party on Idols, but I started listening to Idols, you know, like a year and a half ago. Um, and that, like, it's just like that music is so interesting to me. Like, the, that, I can't even explain. Like, if you had to explain that group to someone, I think it'd be super hard. But yeah, yeah. it's just like a single riff and really good lyrics. And it's kind of heavy, yeah. But it's kind of not at the same time. And right. I like that. That I like that it's inexplicable, right? 
this is uh so i just got a warning that this is going to cut us off in five minutes uh, okay. i want to make i want to make sure that we talk about the videos because those videos especially that video for bad luck probably one of my favorite videos in years where did that, me too where did that concept come from that is the like the whole the crowd dance if people haven't seen it it's you guys effectively i don't know where you found the video or whatever or what it originally was but this like festival somewhere maybe in the late uh -huh. 70s or whatever fascinating. fascinating matt will tell you about it it's it's all his wife joanna she's yeah. basically a member of the band yeah go yeah. ahead matt she's sitting as we speak upstairs right now finishing the video for our next single that comes oh, out yeah. and it's awesome that video, I'm sorry, I can see the countdown. It's making oh. me crazy. <laughs> um, that video is all found footage from a Christian heavy metal festival. That's awesome. <laughs> At some point in the 80s or early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all of those people are amazing. But the, what, the, way that she, the way that she used that footage is just so smart. And she's incredibly talented, and so it fits, it's so no it credit fits to perfectly. Us. No, it's it fits perfectly. This, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was I, <laughs> I had the same I, the same thing that you you said, uh, Jason. I was like, this is my favorite. It probably is my favorite video of all time. Yeah, yeah. and I felt so lucky. I was like, holy fuck, this is amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Like it's so hilarious. I watched it over and over. I showed my girlfriend, we howled with laughter. We thought it was so cool. You know, like, it's so good. I hope, it gets, I hope it gets more, like, uh, traction, you know? Like, I hope people find it, like, 10 years down the line and love the it. Or, in a few, or, or now. Or now, yeah. Or the guy in and of it, like, it's worth the price of admission. Just the guy wearing, I think he's wearing, like, a white tank top. And he's going, oh, it's. Yeah. it looked like he's, at first I thought he was, like, tripping his face off. You know what but, I think he's doing? praying that's the that's the good lord coming out in <laughs> that's yeah, the that's, good lord bringing you that good music you can kind of see towards the end everybody's got their arms up i went oh there this is like a revival thing this it, is indeed that it just was. adds this whole other layer to it that's fascinating and yogi bears in it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we and we revived it we revived that moment in time <laughs> and is, we became a part of it and what what more could you ask for that is I really brilliant. Hope somebody like watches it and it's like, I was at that actual show in context. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I hope they don't contact us. Probably. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I hope um, they get the joke. Yeah. This is going to, we're going to run out in a minute or so. The album's out March 26th. It's on Wiretap Records. Uh, it's really, really, really good. I've been listening to it a bunch. My, I've got my wife and my kid listening to it now too. So awesome! Uh, thanks, Jason. Yeah, I uh, thanks for doing this, guys. That time went of by course. way, way too fast. But I agree. Uh, I wonder. I mean, if you're game, I might be able to just restart it, like save this and restart it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let me let me stop this, save it, and then try to restart it. Yeah, I'm gonna go okay. take a piss, and I'll be right yeah, back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The funny part is that for whatever reason, and I don't know how to fix this because I don't, uh, I'm not a Zoom technical expert, but we're in different positions now. So like halfway oh. through, it's going to look like, I mean, it'll look like what happened is that we stopped and started over again. <laughs> that's, right. that's fine. Who cares? That, that's okay. Um, so we touched, we touched a lot about 
a little bit about the album, if that makes sense. But um, I wanted to talk about bringing the guys that you brought in. Um, we talked about Mike and we talked about Chris and uh, Matt Olson, but how much lead time did you give them in terms of uh, like, did they know the material far in advance enough to work out their own parts or was it like kind of worked out once you got to Jersey? Oh, well, <laughs> our plan initially was to record everything ourselves except the drums. Um, and that was our plan leading up to, so recording July, I think up until June, that was our plan. And yeah. we realized like, this is, we're biting off a little more than we can chew. Um, <laughs> so we hadn't, we had engaged Mike and he, he was down but he was kind of in a weird place. Like he, he was in a weird spot in terms of his drums because he didn't really have a place to practice. His drums were packed up and yeah. So he learned the songs the best he could. And then, and he, so he was learning the songs the best way that he could. And then we, we contacted Matt and said, listen, bud, here's a, here's a situation. <laughs> no, this is a little bit short notice. Right. Um, Cause it's a month out. But he was like, I'll give it a go. But he learned the songs in like four days or something and got <laughs> yeah. super stoked about them and had cool ideas about them. And Yeah, and, and like for Bad Luck, the, the original demo I cut for Bad Luck, um, Chris Gonzalez played on down in Asbury. So I had contacted Chris about playing because he came up with some killer bass lines for that song. So I was like, I contacted Chris about playing bass on that song prior to even thinking about Matt Olson. And um, so like, you know, like he's he, basically, I, I had to tell Chris, I was like, well, listen, we got the map. But I really want you to play uh, bass on Bad Luck. So it was kind of like they both, you know, Matt yeah, played yeah. The, the rest of the songs. And yeah, Chris yeah. played that one. And Matt was so gracious about that. Like he didn't, give a shit it was super it was super refreshing to see just to see like that like so so willing to be collaborative and and open and yeah it was nice it was nice to have chris in the studio because he just kind of jogged over i was gonna say he lives and, like around the corner from little eden or something doesn't he yeah, essentially li almost literally he does yeah. yeah which the last time i think the last time i was in asbury this is a couple years ago for i don't know something bouncing souls related and uh, as, as we were walking by, I don't know, I think as we were walking by the pony, I was like, oh, there goes Chris from the, from the locals. <laughs> <laughs> nice. like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He lives like right around the corner there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, that, that's kind of, I mean, frankly, I don't think that Mike, this is my assumption. This is not a knock. I think Mike didn't really have a way to learn the songs in earnest with a drum kit in front of him many yeah, times. Yeah. He's just so good that he kind of, he, he knew them by listening to them. Um, I was going to say that, that makes like, it even more impressive. I think. Yeah, it does. And to and to watch that is, is like, is pretty special. It's pretty special to see like that level of talent. Yeah. yeah. In front of you. He's the best, the best. Yeah. I'm glad he can play drums. Again, yeah. He he and I talked at length at, for that loved one story about 
kind of everything he went through at the end of the loved ones and even yeah. playing drums in the first place. So it's really good that he can. Yeah. He is the best. He's one of, well, you know, him and Andrew Black, I mean, you couldn't get much better than that. You know what I mean? Like as far as playing with the best of the best in terms of like punk rock drumming and, yeah. you know, just, just general rock drumming or whatever the space cadet is, whatever, you know, it's like, for mike i was like i remember i think matt i i was like we should get mike snaringer right like I, it was my suggestion to get mike to play yeah 100 percent. yeah i was like he would fucking kill this you know this <laughs> yeah. music because i play in another band with him dark blue and I was, like he just he doesn't have to be all punk rock like dark blue is a lot slower or whatever and i was like he would be perfect for space cadet so and so uh i know that well, it sounds in some way like it was coming full circle to have Brian Baker come into the studio and play a guitar solo. If he was sort of one of the little catalysts that got the whole ball rolling. Absolutely. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 We, we another, knew another. Oh, sorry, Matt. No, you go, please. I, I, I insist. I was, like, I, I was just going to say another guy who lives around the corner in Nazareth. Right. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, did I read correctly that he sort of had a part? already written like did you give him the song or did he just come down and listen no. and make something up or no we gave him the song because because you know like i spend a lot of time in like the asbury park area in a town called bradley beach which is two towns yeah. over yeah um i i spend in well i used to spend an incredible spend. amount of time yeah, there. yeah right um but it, it's kind of like a second home to me and so Brian and I have become friends over the years. Dave and Brian are friends. We're all friends. Yep. And the last song that was written for the record, which is the next single, which is Start Running Away, had a kind of an empty part. There was a, a, a bridge that was meant to be a, a solo. Um, but it, it, it had just sat empty and it felt like it was calling for whatever it is that he can do yeah. with a guitar that has P90s in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we asked him and he said, Hey, would you be down to come? Like, just, would you be down to play this, play something on this part on this song? And he said, yeah. So we, we've been in contact and he's, he's said, yeah, I'll do it. Um, then it got closer to the time we were going to record. And he said, you still want me to do this? I said, of course. So he came to the studio. He had been just kind of chilling all day. He came down and he said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I said, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> he said, do you, well, you want me to, do you want me to play something that you want me to play? Or do you want me to, do something that I've that I can do because I kind of been working on this thing. I said, I 100% want you to do yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever that is. Right. And he did. And I think that the amount of time that it took to record it, he was in the studio for I think it was 23 minutes. I think I looked at the <laughs> clock when he arrived and when he left because he texted me that he was there. Yeah. And it was like 23 minutes. But in that 23 minutes, like we kind of caught up. We talked about what's, what everyone was like, what what Pete and me and he were doing for summer, and then somehow like a 
magnificent piece of like music occurred. Yeah, right. And then he's like, right, I'm gonna go home now. I got stuff to do. <laughs> is that I mean, I know you guys have known Brian Baker and you mentioned that you're friendly. Is that still surreal yes. to have Brian yeah, yeah to have 100%. Brian Baker play? Yeah. Oh, I do. I listened to Minor Threat like in 1987, and I was so afraid of the music and so enthralled by that music. You know, at the same time, like it was my favorite band, but I was also like, what is this? I was like, you know, 12 or 13 years old in 1987 or, yeah. you know, 1988. And, and I was like, what? I remember getting that record with Ian McKay with his head down, his head shaved. And I was like, man, I think I want to shave my head, you know, like, yeah. and just no way looking at that record and looking at like Brian, like that misfit blonde kid with, you know what I mean? Like I fucking love his guitar playing. You know and what I mean? Dave, like you look very good with your head shaved. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Well, thanks. But I mean, like I, I loved, I love that band. Like, you know, so it is surreal to have him playing on it, but and it's, and it's, slightly surreal to have and be a friend but it's like that's what punk music is and that's what being part of that community yeah. is i think is to become friends with those people that you know you were like super super excited about when you were young and and really getting that as your reality like becoming a punk you know yeah. like it's all part of the whole thing of, of becoming friends with those people and hopefully they're not shitheads and brian is definitely the least shithead person ever you know <laughs> He is a wonderful human being. Yeah. He is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And, and I will tell you that that's, I mean, I don't want to say that that's why I started doing this thing with Dying Scene 10 years ago or whatever it was now, but because I don't play out in bands and whatever, I said, you know, I felt so detached from the community that was the punk rock that I grew up on. Yeah. And so that was kind of, I said, well, I'm not going to join a band now. I'm married and have a kid. And it's like, it's, those days have passed for me to be yeah. able to do that. Just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to start my first band. Uh, yeah. But I said, you know what? I can do this at least as a way to sort of plug Absolutely. back in. And the phone numbers that I have in my phone now, just of people that I could text or whatever, it's like, yeah. it blows my mind Yeah. from thinking back to, being a 12 year old kid well, isn't, that the, isn't that the beauty of it is that it's a thing that you can be a part of no matter what yeah like there's no it, it's really only on you if you don't become a part of it i think yeah. that there's yeah. a lot of things like uh, i mentioned watching a lot of youtube videos and i see I watch all sorts of stuff. Like I watch all sorts of, of players and a lot of the people, they like, they like music that I've never listened to. They love John Mayer and they love all this stuff. And it seems so far away from them yeah, that they can only talk about it and they can't speak to being a part of it. And this is no dig on them. Like right. That's what they like. And that's totally cool. And I, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, I think we should all be cool with each other as human beings. And, yeah, but I, there's a sadness to it when the things that we love are are like attainable and they're real in 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 that sense. In that they're sense accessible. That you can be a part yeah. of them if you if you try to be. Um, and that's what's special about all of this, whatever this is. Like yeah. like you explain like punk rock on on dying scene in your, in your FAQ section, like very well, like it's, it's very subjective. Um, 
And it can be like pretty elitist sometimes, but it's also mostly pretty inclusive. Yeah. And that's what's really beautiful about it. 100%. Where, where did you find, uh, Dave, Minor Threat as a 12 or 13 year? You're from cent, sort of central Massachusetts, right? I am, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm quite familiar with the town of Clinton. And I know that they, like they used to have cool shows at the, the rec yeah. center or whatever, but... How do you find, I grew up only 45 minutes away from there. Clinton might as well be Kansas. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, I grew up in New Hampshire, but at least it was Southern New Hampshire. So it was like yeah. sort of- Nashua? Yeah, that's where I'm from. Oh, that's where my wife's from. Oh, really? Oh, that's right. awesome. Yeah, I uh, born and raised in Nashua. My parents still live there. I don't, I live in Wakefield, Massachusetts now, but I, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, at least Nashua was sort of a city we had rocket yeah. records we had like a couple of guitar yeah. stores and whatever so i think 12 or 13 is probably when i started listening to minor threat too but to yeah. know that somebody from clinton was listening to minor threat at the same time it's like well how did they even find out about it we didn't have the internet <laughs> well well yeah it's cool it's a kind of a cool story like like i got really into music when i was maybe 10 years old i really loved the beatles and then i had some cousins who were into rush and i was super into rush and went to see like my first concert i think when i was 11 years old uh, i went to see a rush concert and then then like i had this friend whose name is dave welch um and he was into punk rock and he has a almost the same name as me my name is dave walsh his yeah. name is dave welch whatever but he he loved uh he loved minor threat and then also my friend jeremy had a brother or he had two brothers that were in a really cool like alternative band called iou from clinton and i used to hang out at his house all the time and his brothers had like everything from the replacements to the clash to like Guadalcanal Diary and Front 242 like all this weird music and you know like 10,000 Maniac like yeah. all kinds of stuff but Minor Threat was a tape and I remember picking up the tape and just seeing that album cover you know and and putting it in there I was like I heard it and, and it was like and Bad Brains was there too and I remember being like 13 and like putting it in and being like this music is scary but it yeah, was yeah. so exciting you know right. And, and I actually heard that that before I heard like the Sex Pistols and the Clash. So it was almost like hardcore became like for me was before like proper punk music. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like I was just super excited by it, you know, and after that, like Rush kind of went away, you know, <laughs> although I still like, like yeah, Rush, yeah. but you know of what I mean? It's like yeah. in more of a nostalgic way now, but like like that kind of went away. I like, I still love the Beatles, whatever, but like punk was like, it was more of an identity for me, you know? And, and like, I really grasped onto that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't a sports kid. I, you know, I was, I, you know, like I, I, it wasn't like I was like an unpopular kid or anything like that, but it was just like, I, that was just something that really grabbed me. And, uh, so, was there much of a scene? Like how big was the scene out in, Central Massachusetts. There was a lot of, there was actually kind of a lot of punks in Clinton. Um, you know, there was like a lot of punk kids around. Uh, not a lot, but you know, like fair enough for someone like me who wanted to like find out about it. There was enough kids around. 
And then we did have that place in, in Clinton called the St. John's gym. Yeah. And, uh, you, you work in Clinton sometimes still, right? Uh, I used to, yeah. I, I have switched roles, but yeah, I used to have to go okay. out to Clinton for trainings at the building that's right in front of the St. John's gym, that old armory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like that place had like, like the punks as punks do when they're really young, they like, if there's not shows, they make shows happen. Yeah, yeah, so right. like that was the place to go. They would rent the PA. They would put out flyers. You know, there was like a, a record store, like on high street Clinton called main street music. Yeah. And uh, you know, like kids would come and like, we got some pretty crazy shows like Fugazi played like, really great shows like yeah there were plans. awesome shows there i never went but there were awesome yeah. shows there yeah yeah so and tons of kids would come out like when fugazi played like there was probably like it you know 500 to 700 people there in, in like a just a, basically like a gymnasium like it, it just when i was that young it seemed like an endless amount it seemed like a, a rush concert almost you know what yeah, i mean like right. there was endless yeah, I mean, amounts clinton's of people not there. a big like clinton's not a like it's not a big town, but it's also not a small town. It's, it is super interesting, but to yeah. all of a sudden have, you know, 700 people like that show up, yeah. it, right. it means something. Yeah. yeah. Cert it's certainly confusing to a lot of the residents, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting. It's so different than the way things are now, you know, right. like there was no internet then and there, you know, there was no, uh, it was all just word of mouth really, you know, so. How about you, Matt? Where's your? I don't know where you're from. What was your sort of experience, your formative years? Uh, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Originally, um, then moved to Boston uh, in 1996. 90, yeah, 1996. But my my the thing the my way to minor threat was, um, social distortion story in my life because it was okay. a, it was a video on mtv if you remember sure 120 and, minutes probably yeah I'll but you know back. it's funny because that song like they would play that song in the morning actually um <laughs> that's how you do I it was stumbled a big deal. upon yeah. it one morning yeah and like what a lucky thing because a that song's incredible that band's incredible but that started me on the path i mean like the, the, i think the next thing like once i found the there were like three kids that listened to the, that music in yeah my middle school um and one of them gave me minor threat and that was that i mean so those are like i mean it's hard to like say favorite bands but yeah, yeah. Like most important bands are probably sure. social distortion and minor threat okay um but yeah i grew up outside of philadelphia and then damien from the explosion and i have been best friends for since we were in high school um and he has, he, he's a lot smarter than me and, and <laughs> had some idea of what he wanted to do. So he's yeah, like, I'm yeah. going to go to art school in, in Boston. Um, so I went to college at Temple University for like a semester and, and failed out. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Damien's, I'm just going to go to Boston. Yeah, yeah. So I moved to Boston with nothing. Yeah. Moved into a house. Damien basically like, was like, I know some people. We, we're going to live in a house. <laughs> I said, that sounds great. I'm there. So we moved in. It was a house at, at 38 Calumet Street in Mission Hill. And Dave was my roommate. I'd never met him. <laughs> he moved. I moved in the morning. He moved in the night. 
That's awesome. And John LaCroy lived on the third floor from uh, 10 yard flight. It's yeah. extent fanzine at the time. And then 10 yard flight. Yep. Anthony Papalardo lived there. Um, a guy named Rob Shore lived there from New Jersey. A guy named Alex K. Uh, Dean Bartolonis from the band 454 Big Block. I don't know if you remember that band. Wow. That's a name I haven't heard in 25 yeah. years. <laughs> that guy, yeah. that guy is, we've lost touch, unfortunately, but he's one of my favorite people of, of all time. Yeah. Um, and that house was incredible. Clevo, um, who ended up playing in 10 year fight, lived there. Like it's just like there's this weird, insane, cool place. Rama Mayo was yeah. our roommate who did Big Wheel Recreation. Yep. Um, who we remained friends with he for many my years. My friend, he was the one who got me, like he's from Central Mass too. Rama got me into that house. You know, like I would see him in shows like around Central Mass and Worcester and stuff. And he and I were friendly and, and, and I was in college at the time at UMass Amherst and I was going to come to Boston my junior year to do like an internship at the EPA. And, uh, and he was like, Oh, you should move into this house. And there's like, there's like these cool kids from Philadelphia that are moving up and it's going to be like a cool punk house. And, you know, I think my rent was like 300 bucks a, a month. And I was like, all right, I'm in, you know? And, uh, I think it was and, less. Uh, my rent was 217 yeah. and you yeah. shared a room. So I think your rent might've been 150 bucks. Those I were think, the days. I think you're right. I think that was the, yeah. Cause I shared a room with my friend Heath Wright from Clinton uh and yeah it was 300 but we split it it was 150 <laughs> each <laughs> yeah those were the days they what's, were yeah 96 what's, what's funny is that i i moved to the city in 97 to go to college i was like a mile down the street from you guys no idea no way. <laughs> found that out right now yeah where'd you go to school i went to northeastern my first two years oh, so did you, oh, you, were, you were right there <laughs> i was right there yeah where, where yeah. were you living uh, I was living on campus on St. Stephen oh, okay. Street. Right North there. Eastern. Yeah. So it's funny because I went to visit Dave the Christmas Christmas of 2019, December 19th. Because I remember the day before was Dave's birthday. I went up on the 19th because we were going to work on music. And I I wanted to spend a night in Boston. So I got a hotel room at the Hilton and or whatever. Just some yeah. whatever the cheapest room I could get in the right. Prudential Center. So I got on the E train and I rode the train and I was like, you know, I used to do this every day and I got on the, the green line and like six minutes later, I was at Brigham Circle and I walked up the hill and saw 38 County Street. Then I yeah. went to Flint Ryan's and got a pint of Guinness just, just doing like weird nostalgic. She was like in, yeah. a, in a moment, you know, like a kind of yeah, like right. emotional moment. Right, right. But what's incredible, what, what struck me is so incredible is that what was basically a slum was six minutes away from the heart of this like major metropolitan area right. and somehow the northeastern hadn't figured out while right. we were there right that if they if they just go up huntington avenue one mile there's all this stuff, but they hadn't figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Like it's a, it's a weird kind of like you could do a whole like dive into gentrification and all that shit, but especially that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. that neighborhood, yeah. but it's so close. Right. And it never struck me 
I, I think because things relative, I live in Brooklyn. Now I work in Manhattan. Um, it, 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 the relative, the relativity wasn't there at the time. And it seemed like, okay, well now I, I go to this, I have to go all the way down and then go all yeah. the way home, but it's so close. It's, it's wild. That was sort of one of the things they tell you moving into Northeast. I mean, I knew the area a little bit cause I'm from not far away, but it's sort of one of the things they tell you is that like, it, like, you know, the, if you're familiar with the Lion King movie, so there's the, like all the area the light can see, that's ours, Simba, but like <laughs> where the light doesn't reach, like you're not supposed to go there. Like yeah. Mission Hill was essentially that. They're like, like don't really go past, like at orientation, I remember them telling us, if you're on Huntington Ave, like don't really go past Mass Art and yeah. uh, the MFA. Cause after that, it, like it gets a little dicey. Yeah, that's where we <laughs> they're like, don't right go away. to Mission Hill, don't go to Hyde Park, don't really go out the yeah. backside of campus through Roxbury. Like, like stay here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We that's were, where that's we what we chose knew. to move. Yeah, yeah. And now it was great. I, I I loved living there. I mean, it was awesome. I I mean, I, I lived in Washington Square at one point too, and that was a whole other world too. You know, like. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Dudley Square. <laughs> I, yeah, Dudley Square. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that's a neighborhood that I mean, it's still Dudley Square, but it is not the Dudley Square that it used to be yeah. <laughs> twenty five yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah. Having just drawn, driven through there a couple weeks ago, <laughs> um, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. I, I don't know, but th those, uh, I think a like little that of both. era was was pretty special for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, if things go according to plan, whatever plan is. Is there, do you have the idea to take Space Cadet on the road at some point if things sort of shake out and we all get vaccinated and wear masks or? 100%. Hopefully vaccinated yeah. and no masks. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just mean like for as long as we have to do. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely want to play some shows for sure. Yeah, we're going to do as much as we can. I mean, our, our lives are a little bit complicated. You know, we, we, we work, um, we work to support our lives and we have families and all that yeah. yeah however you know we'll do as much as we can that is, yeah. that is possible so yes so in, in terms of plans you're right there's it's impossible to make them now the word is basically meaningless but we do plan on playing shows we do plan on joanna joanna just sent me a text Oh, she did? What does it say? She said, please stay up until the video is done. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so the new video is on its way. Jason, will send it right to you immediately. That's awesome. Yes, we will send it to you, in fact. That's awesome. I can't wait. Um, she, did, she did both of the videos? I know we, we talked about yeah, them. Yeah, she's done. She, did, she both. did both of them and is now doing the third. She, she's brilliant. from Nashua. She, oh, a, yeah, place, yeah. a place that creates beautiful people apparently well, well there's a couple of us i still like joanna, it there joanna is our uh art director for for the band for sure she did yeah. the album cover art she's done okay everything. yeah yeah she's, yeah yeah nashville puts out some creative people let's say do absolutely it's her and she, me and mandy moore yeah. i think that's is. it yeah. <laughs> what more do you need awesome. what, what mandy moore do you need yeah. And she yeah, only lived there for like two months, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah, we plan to we plan to do as much as we can to 
so it won't answer be questions succinctly. It's not just a studio bit. Like no, no, so no, 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 no. There's a there's a similar sort of side project. I was having a discussion a little bit about Space Cadet with uh, a friend of mine who plays in the band Face to Face, and he had a side project. It's not really active anymore, but Scott and Trevor from Face to Face and Scott's brother, Chris, and a couple other buddies a few years ago, 15 years ago at this point, put together a little like baritone. They bought baritone guitars, essentially. Chris and Scott and Trevor all bought baritone right. guitars and they wanted to write like Killing Joke style. Uh, oh, nice. Like Peter Murphy tones yeah. on tape, like that yes. sort of style stuff that they couldn't do as face to face. So they did this project called Viva Death and like the, the space cadet, which I loved their project and I love Scott. He's one of my favorite people, but like this project sort of reminded me of that same sort of like, we can take these guys that, you know, from all these punk rock projects and they're going to put out something that's like, it's the same guys, but it's totally different. It's a different sound and it's really cool and fun. And whatever. yeah, so this yeah. project reminded me of that, which was a long way of saying that. We yeah. tour with face to face. We have. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I it saw was it together. I've seen a long time ago more than I have seen anybody. Uh, I remember we, we played with them in Idaho. Yeah, I wouldn't and, have been there. And, and there was a potato sack involved. <laughs> that was with AFI. I think we toured. I think we did a tour, if I'm not mistaken. My memory sucks. But I think we did a tour with H2O and Face to Face that, that we oh, opened. Right. right, you're right, you're right. Oh, I think that was like, was that maybe a West Coast leg? Maybe it was, maybe it was like a two week thing. I want to say, I want to say when that came here, though, I think, I think Face to Face and H2O came here as well. But I want to say maybe Snapcase and somebody yeah. else. They, they picked, I think they picked up someone who was drawing some more people. Like, <laughs> er, I think actually early Dashboard Confessional when it was like just Chris Caraba and an acoustic guitar. I want to say oh, he okay. was on like this part of that tour too. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, I think it was one of those kind of segmented tours where like they're, the, the tour is national, but, mm -hmm. but they do like regional, which is interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thanks for doing this. We're going to run out All of time right. again, but uh, thanks for doing this, guys. This was this was a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you, Jason. It's, it's been a pleasure. I've yeah, been fans sure. of both of yours for a long time, and uh, this is it's. I hope people buy the Space Cadet album. I know Me that. Too. I think pre-orders are up, or if they're not up now, they're up soon or whatever. But they're up. People should buy it. It's really cool. It's fun. We agree. Thank you, man. Like I told you, those two singles are some two of the catchiest songs that I've heard in a while. And they don't awesome. sound like the rest of the album. It's really dark and gritty and fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, thank so, you for saying so, man. You, this was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I will. Uh, I'll try to fuse both of these things together and post them probably by Friday. Uh, okay. It, my my video and audio fusing skills aren't <laughs> like I work in healthcare, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, we'll I'll have it up by Friday or the other side of the weekend and put all the links to the relevant videos and whatever in there so people awesome. will check awesome. everything out, hopefully. Thank you very much. I'm going to stop recording.